Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Killcliff.com. Naturally flavored energy drinks that are full spectrum. What do I mean by full spectrum? I mean before a workout, the pre-workout, the sustaining of the workout, and the sustain and the recover of the workout, your post-workout drink, which I'm drinking right now. I'm drinking the Blackberry Lemonade made by Killcliff.com. 20 calories, no sugar, B vitamins, and electrolytes. Not only are they a good energy drink company, but they also support, because they're official partners with, the Navy SEAL Foundation, which any business that takes a cutout, a, a, a carve out to support nonprofits that help other people, look, I'm already a fan. NavySEALFoundation.com. You guys could check out Killcliff um, at killthequit.com or, or killcliff.com. And make sure you guys use Survival 15, Survival 15 to save 15% on checkout at killcliff.com. Also, this podcast is sponsored by Black Rifle Coffee Company. Black Rifle Coffee Company, from the very beginning, has been a partner of Philcraft Survival. Evan, great buddy of mine, he's been a connoisseur of coffee since the beginning. He's super OCD, so everything's got to be perfect, and it is. Every coffee that Black Rifle Coffee Company has is perfect. I'm not a big fan of Fufu coffees. I like dark roast, dark blends with no additives, and they make some of the best coffee in the world. On top of that, just like Killcliff, these guys are doing great things for veteran groups, veteran nonprofits and organizations, and just good people in general. Make sure you go to uh, BlackRifleCoffeeCompany.com. And at BRC, you could also use the coupon code PhilCraft20, that's PhilCraft20, to save 20%, which is our biggest discount. Also, this podcast is sponsored by TriarchSystems.com. Look, I teach now with a Glock 17 Charlie that's custom-made by Triarch, and I'm not a fan of custom guns. You know why? Because prior to this experience, I've had guns that were custom-built, all high-speed looking, but were not very reliable or durable when it came to putting thousands of rounds through guns, which I do all the time. This Triarch has been reliable, repeatable, no issues since the very beginning with this 17 Charlie TriarchSystems.com from custom pistols, carbines, rifles, everything that you need. You could use Fieldcraft, one word, Fieldcraft, to save 5% on a build, which is a huge discount on a build at Triarch Systems. That's T-R-I-A-R-C Systems.com. All right, guys, so this next guest is a friend of mine, but also somebody that I've grown to adore because of her passion for what she does for a living. And she's a doctor, and I'm not going to spill the beans on, on everything that she does and her journey because that's what the podcast is for, but Dr. Carissa Walton is um, an expert in your health and well-being and optimizing it. You know, doctors nowadays, you go there because you're trying to address some symptoms, some, you know, the worst case scenario of it, right? You don't typically go to doctors, as, as I understand it, to uh, optimize health, well, what she specializes in might change your mind. I'm excited to you know, document in this first podcast with her the journey from the beginning. She just started a, a business as well in her own practice called The Mobile Health Doc, and that can be found at themobilehealthdoc.com and The Mobile Health Doc on Instagram and Facebook. And I'm not going to spoil it anymore. We'll just kick off the podcast and you guys can listen to her journey. Thank you. Dr. Carissa Walton, <laughs> thank you for coming on the podcast. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing really well. Well, 
Thanks for having me, by the way. No, no, no. Thanks for coming. It's not easy getting anybody with exceptional skill sets to get in here because uh, they're so busy. Most people that are the subject matter experts, it's hard getting time away, but uh, I appreciate you coming here. So, you know, I always do this, and um, but I want to kind of start from the beginning because you have a lot of experience. You've done a lot of things. Um, I know you outside of this podcast personally, and, you know, you're an adventurer, you're an outdoors woman. You do a whole bunch of different things outside of your profession. Um, so let's start kind of the beginning because I want to know how you got into your specific field of expertise or, or what kind of led you in that direction. So let's let's start off like where are you from and uh, um, what was your upbringing like? And then what what led you to be in the medical field that you're in today? All right. Well, then I'll start from the beginning. Yeah. I'm originally an Arizona girl. I was born and raised in the Phoenix area and then moved to Tucson um, back in middle school. I was raised by a single mom and had a younger brother and sister. And one, one, bro- one younger brother. One. one younger brother and one younger sister. Yeah. Oh, so you're the oldest. I'm the uh, oldest. So okay, yeah. I had a lot of responsibility at a young age. Mm-hmm. And at a young age, I knew that I wanted to be a doctor. That was all I talked about. It's all I ever wanted to do. So for me, it's much more than a profession. It's a calling. And mm-hmm. I just felt like that was my purpose. And my mom, my sister, my brother, and other family members at a young age used to call me Dr. KJ. KJ is my nickname. So I became known as Dr. KJ. And now I am Dr. KJ, which is pretty cool. Was that part of your identity uh, growing up as like, you know, like a self-fulfilling prophecy where you, where you just, you know, I'm assuming you were a nurturer at that time because yeah, you're like definitely. the older sister taking care of things. Yeah, I've always been a nurturer, like a caretaker, mm-hmm. and I like to protect people as well. So I, and being a doctor to me, it's kind of like protecting people's health and yeah. that's part of what it means to me. So yeah, yeah, it was just kind of in my nature. I would always jump in there and try to help people when I could. And, you know, playing doctor was a little more than just playing doctor for me. It was, it was just natural. It was what came to me. And so I always wanted to do it and I set myself up for it. And I went through school. I got great grades. I dotted all my I's, crossed all my T's, and made sure I had everything that I needed to have in place to be able to go to medical school. Mm-hmm. And so it was just, it was my mission from day one almost. It was just always what I wanted to do. Really? So, so as long as you could remember, <laughs> yeah. like from the beginning, you, that's what you wanted to do from the beginning as a right. kid. Yeah. Wow. From the very beginning. So That's awesome. And so when you, uh, growing up, um, where did adventure play into this? Where did uh, where did the outdoors uh, woman of you come into play? Because if you know, knowing you personally, you you do so much. You're yeah. involved in um, everything outdoors, and it's like that's your that's your. It's, it almost seems like a calling. Like that's what you do. Right. Uh, that's what you're defined as as being physically active and outdoors and into nature. Uh, where did where did you get that from? You know, it's. It's hard to say. I also believe that's kind of an innate thing within me because none of my family members are into the outdoors like I am or mm-hmm. adventurers like I am. And so 
I feel like that's another thing that was within me. I was the kid that went outside and found a tree to climb. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it wasn't a typical girl thing to do by any means. So I just, I always would try to venture off and find different ways, find different paths, basically, whether it was hiking or camping or whatever it was, I was always kind of off searching and adventuring in my own way. That's awesome. So yeah, yeah, it was just kind of, I don't know. I just kind of like to go out and explore. And that's, I think that's really what it was for me was exploration of the outdoors and learning Mm -hmm. about my environment. I've always liked to observe. And so I feel like in nature, I was able to go out and observe and kind of pick up on patterns and such. Mm -hmm. And so that was helpful for me too. And it was just, even today for me, it's just a mental reset being in nature. Mm-hmm. And so I think I really connected with that as a kid mm-hmm. and I was able to find myself and connect with myself when mm-hmm. I was in nature. Mm-hmm. And so now it's kind of turned into more adventure and finding any kind of activity I can to get myself in the outdoors. And mm-hmm. where does the just, physical, where does the physical fitness aspect of it? Cause, um, you're super healthy, super fit. You're into like a lot of things that um, normal people just wouldn't be into, like Krav Maga, right? Right. Like uh, Jiu-Jitsu. Uh, you just competed recently, right, in Jiu-Jitsu? Right. I did. How, you actually did really well, right? Yeah, I did all right. <laughs> did you, you won your uh, di- I, division? Yeah, I won my division for the state championship. Mm-hmm. So awesome. that was my fourth competition so far. Yeah. So what's next really for that? that? What's next for that? Uh, the next level of that, the next competition, what is that? Uh, the next competition coming up is in August, mm-hmm. and it's the no-gi version of ah. what I just did, basically. Yep. So I was in the gi, which is the traditional uniform, mm-hmm. if you will, of uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I won that, and then now I'm going to go on next month and do the no-gi state championship, basically. Awesome. So it's going to be just in regular kind of workout gear mm-hmm. without the gi. So, so where, where did that part of you know, your upbringing come from, did it, did it source from something because you're super physically active and into, um, training pretty hardcore, right? Right. Yeah. I would say it actually came from having a really difficult upbringing. Mm -hmm. I didn't have access to a lot of the things I have access to now. And at a young age, I did experience some things that were really hard to deal with. Mm -hmm. Um, I saw, I saw some violence and things like that that I think kind of predisposed me to really take responsibility for my own protection and oh okay and yeah. so I never thought um, about that but you, like yeah in sp- experience obviously trauma as a young person yeah as a at a young age yeah. basically could lead you in different directions right healthy and or so otherwise yeah. I decided to turn that around and make it a healthy option rather mm-hmm. than to dwell on it and you know make it into a negative thing and so. Growing up, when when I saw what I saw, I think it was within me to just know that I needed to protect myself and people around me, mm-hmm. and avoid anything like that from ever happening to me or my family. So oh, awesome! And then you I went, believe that's where it really where stems it from. from. Yeah, mm-hmm. just because I didn't have access to martial arts and stuff when I was a kid, I was I was very poor and, like I said, single mom life and. Mm-hmm. Well, that resiliency obviously led you down a path yeah. to be to overcome a lot of those obstacles. Right. Obviously, yeah. So you went to school and you had your undergraduate degree. Where'd you get? Where'd you go to school at? 
I went to the University of Arizona mm-hmm. in Tucson, mm-hmm. and I studied physiology. Mm. So I had my bachelor's degree in uh, physiology. Awesome. I did a minor in business, too, just because I like business. And awesome. Yeah, well, that's good. <laughs> I always planned on... I always wanted to start my own practice, and so I wanted to start early and kind of prepare myself. So I'm like, might as well study business as well. You awesome. Know, can't, can't hurt. So. And then you went to medical school. And, and, and uh, explain to the listeners, because I, I described you in the intro, what you're a doctor of, but it described me um, kind of you know, the title and then what it means to you as far as uh, your profession and practice, because you're a doctor of what? I'm a doctor of naturopathic medicine, mm-hmm. so... It's also like the abbreviations would be NMD mm-hmm. um, or naturopathic medical doctor is what that stands for. Mm-hmm. Um, so what that means is I still go to medical school. I go to a four-year accredited medical school. It means that I'm a licensed physician mm-hmm. in the state of Arizona. And it means that I have a really large toolbox, basically. Yeah. So when I go to school or when I went to school, excuse me, um, I learn everything that a physician would learn as far as diagnosis, treatment, standard of care, all of that. So I still learn how to prescribe if I need to prescribe Mm -hmm. as far as medications and whatnot. And I do have that in my toolbox, but I also learn how to use herbs and acupuncture, studying Chinese medicine, and all of that is kind of incorporated into our curriculum as well. So basically the first two years of school looks a lot like any conventional medical school with some other additional um, modalities added in. Um, So it's pretty intense and it's four years year round. We don't have summers or anything like that. So it's really an immersion Mm -hmm. program. So we do have some short breaks, but it's pretty much hit the ground running from day one. And I'm learning how to incorporate basically hundreds, if not thousands of years of medicine Mm -hmm. and combine that with the modern medicine as well. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's really creating that scope that I need to really give patients the care that they deserve Mm -hmm. and really have a more individualized approach Mm -hmm. to their treatment because they may not need treatment X, they need treatment Y. And so it really gives me the ability to think outside the box and be able to give them the treatment that's best for them. Mm, so it's more along the lines of, uh, like it's, it, it seems to me like it's more along the lines of wellness, like health right, and wellness, right. versus like the diagnosis of some symptom or some right. disease or whatever it may be, and then treating that symptom, right? Right, right. so... There are protocols, obviously, there's protocols with everything, Mm -hmm. but you really, I get to search and figure out the root cause of what's causing their problem. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm truly passionate about because I believe that, and it's been proven by research that we can prevent most, if not all disease, especially the diseases that we're being faced with in America today. Mm -hmm. And so that first step is prevention and living a healthy lifestyle. And so I get to teach patients how to do that, which is really an amazing thing for me. Mm -hmm. Because if you think about it, well, I don't know if you know this, but doctor actually comes from the word docere. Mm -hmm. And docere is a Latin word that means to teach. Mm -hmm. And so I believe that a doctor should be a teacher. 
-hmm. And that's something that has been lost in society today. So now I get the opportunity to teach patients what to do if they feel like they're getting sick or teach patients how to prevent that, Mm. um, whether it be optimizing their vitamin D levels or whatever it may be. There's tons of things that you can do to prevent illness. And it's really great to give patients that power to take control of their health, which is one thing that I'm really passionate about doing. Mm -hmm. And then even once a patient has a diagnosis, um, getting to the cause of that diagnosis and not just giving them a prescription that's for that diagnosis, Mm -hmm. because there are a lot of other factors that contribute. And so you get to kind of start to unwind those factors and figure out where it all stemmed from and really treat that, which makes a lot more sense to me than just treating a symptom or suppressing the outcome of the physiological process that's happening in their body. So Yeah, it seems like it's a... um it's more a more holistic approach when you analyze kind of the life and the yeah. the situation, the diet. I, what I've always was bewildered by doctors that I've seen for certain things, it was solely concentrated on reducing or eliminating the symptom, but not looking for the root cause of of it because it was more like a you know mechanical diagnostic, and then you know, it felt very rushed, right? Because right. I mean, there's an average time a doctor spends in an office with a patient and it's, right. it's measured in, in um, damn near seconds, right? It's exactly. not it's not a lot of time. Seconds to minutes, to maybe minutes. five minutes. Yeah, yeah. max. And then mm-hmm. and then it's about, uh, there's, there's part of it that's a business and you're trying to get as many patients through this. They might work for an institution um, and there's a, uh, a protocol on how many they have to, how many patients they have to see a day. Right. And then, all the bureaucracy behind the institution and the funding, and it just seems very, um, it, it, it takes away from what doctors used to be, right? Which was, you know, they were making house calls. Right. Doctors were showing up. They had relationships built in your family. They knew your family and the friends, mm-hmm. and they were interconnected, and you could rely on those people to give you the advice and the information and then help you when you were sick or you had ailments. And so it sounds to me, not understanding your job uh, entirely, it sounds to me like that's what we're missing, right, in the, in the medical field. Right. I, I believe it is. Yeah. And I believe that patients have a right to have that freedom to spend that time with the doctor that they need. And that should be a right. Healthcare should be a right for every mm-hmm. patient. And their health is a right. And so it takes time, though. It really does. I'll spend... You know, the first time I see a patient, I might spend up to an hour and a half with them. Mm -hmm. And I have that ability, which is great. And I get to learn about them, their lifestyle, everything that they're doing, basically, and break it down into components and really figure out what it is for them that they need help with or what, what needs to be changed, what needs to be addressed, what they're doing well and really coach them through the whole process rather than just say, hi, nice to meet you. I don't know your name, but here's a pill and send you on your way. And so my goal is to bring back that relationship with Mm. the patient and to really connect with my patient on another level so Mm. that I can help them 
live the best life possible so that they can do all the things they want to do and spend that time with their family and go climb the mountains and mm-hmm. all, all those things that they love to do. So. What, what's the major difference between um, a general practitioner and you when it comes to the treatment of a patient? Is it, is it longevity? Are you limited in what you could do or uh, like uh, help, help people understand? I'm even trying to uh, understand it completely. And the difference between um, your two practices is, I mean, obviously one's a more natural, holistic uh, view of the world. Um, but what, what are the major differences technically? Is there, is there a difference when somebody comes to see you? In the treatment themsel- yeah. itself? Yeah. It definitely varies. <laughs> yeah. Because like I mentioned earlier, I have a lot more tools to work with. Mm-hmm. So we are going to be addressing That's because you're trained nutrition. in those tools, yes, right? Yes, right. It, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you know this, but in medical school, there's no actual nutrition training. I think it's just, it's very few hours that they even get in a conventional medical school. Isn't that crazy? It's really crazy. It's insane to me. Yeah. Um, But we actually have nutrition incorporated into our biochemistry Mm. classes. And so from day one, we're learning what cofactors, what nutrients are required to fuel certain biochemical pathways. So it's really that integrative approach that sets us aside because we're not just going to throw a vitamin at you to say, oh, you need this multivitamin or, oh, you need this because I read it on Dr. Google. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) We actually learn the why behind what we're using and then how to use it in a therapeutic way. So supplements are going to be customized for you what you're experiencing, we can actually test different. We have a lot of specialty testing that we use to actually optimize that as well. So really it's a lot more of a comprehensive approach to patient care. So starting with the foundation of nutrition and lifestyle, um, moving up into proper supplementation of certain things. So um, that may be different vitamins, different minerals, mm-hmm. et cetera. And then we also look into different genetic factors as well. So we can do genetic testing and kind of target different factors that you may be genetically predisposed to mm-hmm. and kind of help fuel those pathways that may not be working properly just because you have what's called a genetic SNP, which is just a mutation basically. So really, it's all about targeted care and really focusing the treatment plan based on what they need. And we also do IV therapies to help optimize nutrition as well. And I'm talking a lot about nutrition, but nutrition really is the foundation for health is what I believe. And movement, lifestyle, that's where it starts. And then from there, we can take it up to the next level. We can add on herbs. We can add on... Um, Chinese medicine, acupuncture as well. It's very effective, especially in treating chronic pain. And we can even go up to, and this is one area that I'm very passionate about and work with patients a lot on, is rebuilding joints. And so people that have chronic pain, we can actually do injections that can help stimulate the growth and the cartilage of the joints and help to rebuild them. So that's going to prevent surgeries later down the line and 
can reduce chronic pain significantly, which is very important right now with all the issues with the opioids going on. And so I practice non-opioid pain management. So that includes everything from herbs to acupuncture to regenerative injections and other things as well. But really it's about optimizing the terrain of the body. Mm -hmm. And so I'll use every tool in my toolbox to do that. So it's hard to say exactly what a treatment plan may look like from one patient to the next. But I will tell you, I have several sections. And so I try to just itemize things in that nutrition section, lifestyle section, supplements, etc., just to keep everything as a comprehensive plan instead of just it might not just be one thing that you need. I wish that it was, and sometimes it is. Sometimes I get lucky, but yeah, it's a, it, it's peculiar to me because it seems like you know when people think about doctors, they they think, hey, I'm going to the doctor because something's wrong. Right. What people don't understand is there's so many preventative things, and it's almost like you're a doctor that you should be going to routinely just to optimize health. Mm-hmm. And when you optimize health, you prevent the lead up to having to go to a doctor because something's wrong. And so when when I think about the gaps, because when, when I first met you, I didn't realize that it was even a thing, that there was doctors that did what you did and specialized in you know optimizing health and wellness, nutrition, and mm-hmm. everything that people look for. Right. You know, they, but they don't know the answers to. And they, they and you know, it's the the fad diets, it's the mm-hmm. uh, constant struggle of trying to figure things out when you're a doctor who literally and specifically focuses on optimizing health before you're broken or diseased or whatever it may be, the ailment may be. And so how difficult is it for you to educate the consumer, but the, the, the client or the person who doesn't know about this, because I mean, it's, you know, there's a lot of people who would look and when you said Chinese medicine, they go, Oh, well that's just, that's mm, BS. Right? right. And so that's a stigma that's associated with it. But I mean, I know this cause I'm, uh, I'm Korean, <laughs> so I grew up <laughs> in the, in the field, but, but there's procedures and there's things that have been proven even in, ca- in case studies and scientific studies that are proven beneficial. How do you how do you educate people in, in these things? Is it just a organic like door to door campaign? I mean, how do you do that? <laughs> Sometimes it feels that way. Yeah, it really does. But really, it's all about education. That's what it comes down to. And so I have my patients that are the researchers that need to see the research, and I will provide them with that research. Oh, so yeah. I'll give them the scientific studies because I love science. It's all I ever studied. So I really love science and I myself like to keep up on the research. So it helps keep me on my toes Mm -hmm. to help provide them with that research. And with Chinese medicine, acupuncture, things like that, it's been practiced for thousands of years and Mm -hmm. there is tons and tons of scientific evidence out there. So for me, it's just being that resource for them to really provide them with whatever it is they need to really take it to heart and believe it Mm -hmm. because it does work. And I, I myself wouldn't even practice it if there wasn't vetted case studies and research and, Mm -hmm. and whatnot to do that. And so I think once my patients realize that they 
start to trust a little bit Mm -hmm. and trust that the therapy I'm doing is going to be the right therapy for them. But again, it's really about developing the relationship with the patient. Mm -hmm. And it is difficult to get it out into the public. And sometimes I get the typical, oh, you're a naturopathic doctor. You're not, you're not a real doctor. And I, first of all, I asked them, turn it around and ask them what they know about naturopathic medicine and if they've had any experiences with them. And so that kind of sometimes helps me figure out where they're at and meet them on that common ground and then go from there and explain to them about whatever it is that they want to know about it. And usually just by kind of having that conversation with them, they start to realize that it is something that can apply to them and can help them. And by the end, they tend to want to know more. And so that's kind of my approach with talking to people about it. But it has been difficult, especially because, like I said, this is all I ever wanted to do. And life led me in this direction, which we can get into if you'd like. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I was going to ask you, what, how, you know, when you, when you look at, because you go to medical school and then you have a path to choose and, you, you know, you're you're set up to really do whatever path you want and you choose this path. Why did you choose this path? Well, I chose this path because after I graduated from college, I had everything set up to go to a quote unquote conventional medical school and life happened for me. I had a series of adverse events happen and the final of these events was my mom being diagnosed with stage four cancer. And so kind of mentioned this earlier, but my mom was all I really had. Mm -hmm. And and my brother and sister, of course, I love them dearly. (laughs) But for me, I kind of became the caretaker of the family and I had to be her caregiver and help her through the whole process of cancer. Mm -hmm. And that's when I learned about my field after being told that my mom had three to six months to live. Mm -hmm. I had to search for more answers because I wanted to keep my mom on this earth as long as I possibly could. Mm -hmm. And I was willing to do anything to extend her life and extend the time with her. And so that's initially how I found out about it. I actually didn't submit my application because I was planning on going to the U of A medical school. And I stopped all of that after taking the MCAT and putting in all of those countless hours into just getting the application together. I actually was working for the University of Arizona and I went on family medical leave to take care of my mom full time. And doing our research, we found the field that I'm in now and it helped her more than anything. And that's even after she had an advanced case of cancer with only three months to live. And so we hit it as hard as we possibly could. And it helped her great. She started to be healthier than she had ever been in her life. She felt great. She had energy. She was vibrant. And the one thing was that we didn't catch the cancer early enough. So eventually cancer did take over, but she lived almost a year and a half. And it was some of the best quality of life I've ever seen in my mom. Mm -hmm. And so that in itself really made me passionate about this field and made me realize that 
this was my calling all along, you know, and the, the fact that I could be there for her and take care of her and learn everything I learned in that process really made me passionate about what I'm doing. And it also made me a better doctor. And so I really want to help people understand that there are more options out there because had I not known that, then I would have lost my mom a lot sooner and it would have been a lot more debilitating for her. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that I was able to give her that support really made all the difference for me and made me, showed me that there are more answers than what we're led to believe sometimes. Yeah. It's a, it's a, that's a beautiful yet tragic circumstance, but you know, when I think about everyday people, you know, every person on this planet goes through these um, kind of cycles and and, uh, and what I don't understand is our conventional approaches to a lot of things that are very unconventional. And, right. and we don't have unconventional tactics to address these things and, and our not only that, but our unwillingness to even look into unconventional tactics. Um, one example of that is, um, you know, I'm, I'm big into mushrooms, and you know, one of the uh, Paul Stamets, one of the leading uh, experts in mushrooms, his mom got stage four cancer. Mm-hmm. I, think, I believe it was breast cancer, and he started giving her a specific type of mushroom that's very aggressive in attacking um, bacteria, infection. Um, And he started to see this in studies that he was doing on his own in Petri dishes, but he gave this to his mother, and his mother actually survived. And when he talks about it, which he's proven that this particular mushroom um, has advantages, the science and then I guess maybe the legacy field doesn't want to even acknowledge this, which is tragic because when you look at looking for solutions and figuring out better ways to optimize health and extending your life, why would you not be willing to be unconventional and to think, and I don't even think it's convention, you know, there's, maybe it's rigidity where we're so focused on a certain way of doing things that we're not willing to look at other ways of doing things. Mm -hmm. Um, What are some of the things that you specifically did in that period of time to kind of optimize your mom's health in order to extend her life? Was there anything specific that you did diet, dietary wise or, um, you know, Chinese medicine? What were some things that you did? We did everything. Let me tell you, um, from nutrition and going full bore with the, the juicing. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were juicing daily just to give her all the micronutrients, yeah. antioxidants, et cetera, that she needed. Um, and just really optimizing nutrition. We were working with several doctors at the time, both MD and ND alike to kind of help, um, optimize everything that she needed. And so we did that. We were doing different IV therapies um, one thing that can be used for cancer patients is high-dose vitamin C therapies. Mm-hmm. So that was part of it. Um, the doctor had a few other IV therapies that he was offering as well. So it was kind of a natural form of chemo, essentially. Mm-hmm. And there's research out there to show that it actually does 
kill the cancer cells. And so she was doing that. Um, she was doing, gosh, everything from the crazy stuff you hear about, about coffee enemas, because it was colon cancer. Mm-hmm. And so she needed to rid her body of some of those toxins. So we, when we would travel, we'd have our whole kit with us yeah. to be able to do all that, yeah. which was always fun. Um, but uh, nutrition, I already said, supplementation, um, different forms of oxygen therapies because cancer can't survive in an oxygen-rich environment. Mm -hmm. So that was part of it as well. And then also cannabis was another part. So specific extracts of cannabis have been shown to be um, toxic to the cancer cells as well. And so we did that. And that was a whole ordeal, of course, because it is not accepted in society. And especially back, it, I don't even, it had just been legalized for medical use, I think, at the time. And so it was still very taboo and whatnot. So do you, do you I, feel, I, I, do you feel like you have access? Because I, 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 sometimes I feel this way about certain things in this, in, in this conversation. Do you feel like you have access to this information? that you know is gonna save people's lives and extend their life, yeah. but they just don't, aren't paying attention. Yeah, I, I like I, that I get a that lot. I that sense, yeah. Yeah, and it's frustrating. Mm-hmm. But really, it's not the fault of anyone, you know? It's just their experiences and their perception, and maybe they just haven't been exposed. And so my goal is to go out and expose them. And people that need to see the results, I'll show them the results, I'll work with them, and ensure that we get the results. But I really want people to understand that there is more than what's on the surface. There's more that what's on social media or in the mainstream per se. And there's a lot of un there's a lot of answers out there that are just not being shown to people. Mm-hmm. And it's it's unfortunate. And I believe a lot of that goes back to the bureaucracy and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. And, and insurance companies. And it's not even the fault of the healthcare industry because it's just an industry that's failing based on insurance, based on pharmaceutical companies, et cetera, that have the power, that have the money. And without going on a big rant about all that, I think that there's a lot of things that people just aren't being exposed to. Yeah. And so whatever I can do to expose them to this and show them that there's a better way and there are more options and they don't have to be forced into the whole downward spiral of going from one specialist to another and never really knowing what's wrong with them. And if I can help them, and if I have something that can help them, and I'm sure I do, like I said, I've got a big toolbox, so Mm -hmm. I would love to be able to serve those people and to educate them and to teach, and that's really what I'm all about. So, you know, this leads into the something that we had discussed before, but you had this concept that you had uh, talked to me before that's, I mean, it's coming to reality now, but it's this concept of this like mobile um, health clinic or you know, mobile health doctor that where you're going house to house or, you know, you're showing up at uh, uh, a parking lot or a game or somewhere where people consolidate so you could give them that opportunity to, you know, tell your story, talk about what you do, get, give them, um, nutrition advice, give them, um, you know, more information than that's given today, but doing it on the road. Um, 
you know, tell me a, a little bit about that concept, but also, uh, you know, where'd you think about that idea and then where are you at now with it, you know? Well, I'm really big on community and mm -hmm. community outreach. And my goal is to get all of this out into the community mm -hmm. and to literally hit the road with it. And like you said, go from house to house, but give more people access. That's, that's my big goal is to educate the masses and really bring it into the world and make it more mainstream, make people realize, oh, I can call the mobile health doc. That's my new name, by the way. <laughs> so that's the name, the yeah. actual name is the mobile health doc. Huh? Yeah, the mobile health doc. Awesome. Where did that come from? Where did you get that idea from? So I was trying to find something that, first of all, explained what I did and kind of, I wanted the name to speak for itself. But the emphasis in my name is on health. And so instead of just being a mobile doc that comes to you, I want to be known as the mobile health doc. So I believe that's really what sets me apart is helping optimize health. And so that's where the health <laughs> part came from. And I figure if I say the mobile doc, people can figure out that, hey, I'm a doc and I'm mobile and I'm willing to come to you. And that's what I'm about is going to you, bringing the doctor's office to you. So I am developing a whole mobile facility where I'll be able to care for patients in full capacity and offer all of the treatment therapies, everything from the nutritional IVs I've spoke about to even hyperbaric oxygen. I'm going to have a portable hyperbaric oxygen chamber. Um, uh, we can do regenerative injections. So prolotherapy, PRP, stem cells, all of that, all in a mobile facility so that if people can't make it to the doctor, I've, I can't tell you how many patients have called and said, I'm too sick and I can't come in today. Wow, I never really thought about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They just are completely housebound. Yeah. You can go straight to them. Um, I can go straight to them. So And that's legal, right? You could do yeah, that in vehicle. Yeah, it's totally legal. Yeah. Yeah. So you, what do you do? You set up a vehicle and then you build it out to where it, I, I'm assuming meets the requirements um, of providing that care right. in a sanitized environment or whatever it may be. Yeah. yeah, I'm actually working with a company that specializes in building mobile medical facilities. Wow. There is a such company that exists. And so we're designing it to make sure that it's all within regulations of what's needed for patient mm -hmm. care and to make sure I have the proper space and everything is all to the guidelines, essentially. That's amazing. But, so yeah. it's, it's the old way that doctors used to do it, right? Which is the house calls, going house to house and bringing their skill set to the patient. Right. As opposed to, you know, hubbing and then they come to you to you and they have and like you just said the good point which is if you're sick you might not have that capability to do that mm -hmm. or there's tons of other scenarios i've thought of uh such as single moms you know they don't mm -hmm. want to drag their their children five children <laughs> into mm -hmm. a doctor's office and sit and wait or to a lab to get blood draws done i'll be able to have all of that set up as well so that i can do labs and specialty labs on site mm -hmm. so that they don't have to go into the old grimy labs I've heard about recently and sit there for two hours and wait to be served. They'll be able to be served on the spot and it'll be, they'll have access to everything basically in one location. And another 
uh, group that I'm really excited to work with are athletes. I've already started working with lots of athletes in the, wow. the community. And yeah. so my goal is to be able to go to these events and help them with their pre, um, basically getting them ready. So pre-competition or whatever event they meet competing in or participating in and then afterwards in the recovery giving Mm -hmm. them vitamins and such that they need to recover quickly and to have the best performance possible so i believe that i'll be able to reach lots of different communities within our larger community yeah i never even thought about that which is you you could because you're not only optimizing health and well-being for people but you're also giving them the advantage in in life but in performance because they are paying attention now to these markers that um you could see like genetics and blood and everything else mm-hmm. um how is it, how important is analyzing it's 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 odd to me that I've been to the doctor so many times with just injuries and the military and all this stuff and they're not paying attention to the blood they're not paying attention to the uh, genetics as a marker. Mm-hmm. They're not scanning and looking at the MRI. How important are these things that you could do, like in the blood work, for example, um, in understanding what potentially is going wrong? Very important because that really helps paint the picture for me. That's mm-hmm. really where I start with the foundation of building their health. And I look at like we've mentioned several different factors that are going to help lead me in the treatment that they're going to receive. And I think that the reason that those labs aren't typically offered or, well, I know they aren't covered by insurance often. So that's the one downfall is that your insurance company may not pay for much more than the typical CBC, CMP, TSH for the thyroid. It's very minimal. Oh, and lipids, of course, because everyone yeah. wants to put you on statins and whatnot. Wow. <laughs> so, so it's an really in-depth panel is not typically covered. No, not at all. That's crazy. So yeah, we work with labs that give discounts and such to people that have insurance, and mm-hmm. they can bill for what the insurance will cover, and sometimes even more than that. They I don't know how they do that part, but we work with labs that make sure that you can get the most discounted rate possible on some of the specialty labs. So, well, so you know, and I see that obviously as a challenge for you. And is, is there things that are happening? Is there uh, legislation or is there advocacy? Uh, I'm assuming part of this is in the education is advocacy because you need the support of the system in order for people to pay for this because unless you do, then they just have to come out of pocket. And a lot of people can't afford these treatments that are important to extending life, right. which is sad. I mean, it's, it's, it's heartbreaking because uh, I know like I was vitamin D deficient and there's so many symptoms associated with vitamin D deficiency right. that it, it took a smart doctor to figure out like, hey, maybe we should test and see if you're vitamin D mm-hmm. deficient. And that was the problem the whole time. Right. So I could have saved the medical system thousands and thousands of dollars by just having a simple panel that could have been from the get-go ordered or paid for uh, out of pocket. Uh, how, how important is it to set up kind of like a, an advocacy? Are you doing any kind is there any legislation that's even uh, that you see helping you guys? It is in the works. Right now we're licensed on a state-by-state level and so as licensing 
as licensing is becoming more broad spectrum across the United States. What does that mean? Um, does it mean some like, states don't? There's some states that are not licensing naturopathic physicians what? as physicians. Yeah, it's crazy. So you have to kind of go and be what an are those, outlaw. Florida's got to be one Florida, of those states. <laughs> I believe Florida is one of the states. Oh, God. So you have to go and kind of be an outlaw and try to get together advocacy groups and lobby and all of that to get licensure within your state. And there are plenty of doctors in our field that are out doing that, which is great. Yeah. Um, luckily, I live in Arizona and we're land of the free out here. So I, I have Arizona. full yeah. access to all of my quote unquote tools here. Yeah. Um, but right now, I believe we're at 22 states. Don't quote me on that. I'd have to check. But once we get to a majority then there must be some federal consideration for licensure at a federal level. And I believe at that point, that's when we will oh, be able to start to be, have the funding and acceptance wow, for the insurance companies. And I know that there's a program even for the state-funded insurance in Arizona for access right now that they're doing a whole, basically a trial program. They're calling it a pilot program, essentially. And they're trying to see if it's financially feasible, which, as you just mentioned, it's very financially feasible and would cost the medical system far less in the long run. And so on a state level, that's happening right now. So they're actually in the pilot program. And then once we are approved by access, then we will have the state funding for that. And how, how are they doing that? Are they just like uh, essentially collecting data yeah. to see if they're, I guess, over the long haul or the long extended period of time that these patients are becoming healthier or retaining health and not going it? Like, I was, I was trying it's to figure kinda, out. Yeah, it's kind of, as to my understanding, it's more of like a cost benefit analysis oh, okay. at this point. Yeah. And they're making sure it's not going to cost them too much money to do. Mm -hmm. um, but once we are primary care providers and listed on access, then I believe that that'll open up more doors mm -hmm. for funding and for insurance companies to come on board as well. And there are a few insurance companies that are already on board. Uh, Cigna is one of them. Some versions of United Healthcare as well. Um, those are the ones that come to mind in my knowledge. That's not my expertise area by any means, but um, there are there is movement in that direction, which is really exciting. And is there anything going on with the veteran affairs at all? I wonder if there's any. There's because I know they offered me uh, acupuncture at one point, and I'm I'm assuming um, they were outsourcing it. I'm assuming it wasn't in house. And so I wonder if there's any tie-in with that. There are groups that are working in that area. I just don't know what exactly the progress is yet. Um, I have a friend that that's one of his main focuses is working with veterans. He's a veteran himself. So I can always, if anyone needs to know more about that, they can shoot me a message and I can talk to him and kind of see what the status is. But I know that there is movement in that direction. So... That's Are one you, of the targeted areas right now. So does it? It, it almost seems very broad. Um, the things that you could offer. Is there anything in the mental health aspect that that you can offer, or is it by default 
because some of the things that you're addressing are going to improve, you know, if, if we're talking physiologically, it's going to improve their overall health, and that includes mental health. Is there anything specific to mental health that, it's, that uh, you guys focus on? Yeah. Um, like you said, the physiological stuff is very important. Um, vitamin D levels are linked to depression, depression very yeah. strongly yeah. linked to depression. So really, first of all, I look at the physiological level and try to make sure everything there is optimized. They don't have a chronic infection or something that's actually, um, they actually can have an autoimmune disease that can actually attack the brain itself. So first of all, there's the physiological level. Um, the next step is using natural approaches. So that may be herbal or it may be some other therapy that we use as far as that goes. Outside of a medication. Right, yes. A, a pharmaceutical. Right. So there's a lot of natural substances, herbs, etc., that can really help lead you in that right direction. Yeah. and really figuring out what's going on with the patient too, um, stress and lifestyle factors. You can't set that aside because sometimes people are just in a toxic situation. So I really want to get to, again, the root cause. Um, one therapy though, that I'm really excited about that I've been offering and I'm certified to do as well is called neurofeedback. And neurofeedback actually uses an EEG and assesses the different waves within the brain that are either being overstimulated or understimulated. So I've seen it work wonders with kids that have behavioral disorders such as ADHD. And so from a mental health standpoint, I think we should start at the brain and figure out what is what the trigger is within their brain. So really if we can look at the actual waves of the brain themselves and figure out which ones are too much and which ones are too little, essentially, in different areas of the brain, we can figure out how to stimulate them to actually reprogram those neurological pathways, wow. which is an area that I'm really passionate about and I'm excited to share because, like I said, I've seen kids on... 11 different medications and yeah. completely sedated and having hallucinations because of the interactions between the medications and such. Mm -hmm. And one kid in particular, I have been able to witness his journey and he is an awesome kid. Now he's on one single, he does have a seizure disorder. So he's on one single anti-seizure med. Um, but other than that, he's been able to get off all the other medications. He's doing well in school. He just started jujitsu and he's really excited about that. And it's really helping him on a mental health level as well that's is amazing. the physical activity. And I think that that's part of the problem with our kids today is they aren't being stimulated. They aren't being challenged. They're being forced into just sitting in a classroom and some kids just need to get out and move. <laughs> so... Yeah. I've had to write letters for teachers and whatnot to give kids more ability to be able to go outside as well when they need to, even if it's just a simple give them extra bathroom breaks so that they can go work off some of the yeah. some Is of that the a steam. balancing of the chemistry in their, in their yeah, bodies? Definitely. Yeah. So neurotransmitters, we can go down that whole path as well, but 
you can target certain neurotransmitters mm-hmm. uh, with nutrition, amino acids, and stuff like that as well. So that's another kind of branch of the therapy that can be offered if it's needed. So we can do specific tests to see if they're deficient in these areas, and maybe they just don't have enough of one neurotransmitter. So instead of blocking it, like if you've heard of like SSRIs, which are serotonin um, reuptake inhibitors, basically. Mm-hmm. So it's just inhibiting the reuptake of the serotonin to be able to keep it in the synapse longer. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not actually addressing the problem. And there's a lot of long-term side effects to doing that. And so we can possibly target these different pathways through a much healthier way and actually giving them the actual bio-identical version of what they need, essentially. Mm-hmm. So it could be like a precursor to the serotonin or something. But really, it's about putting together the pieces of the puzzle and figuring out what they're missing mm-hmm. or maybe what they have too much of and figuring out how to balance everything out so that they can perform better. I feel like in a conventional practice or, or from a conventional doctor's perspective, you wouldn't even get to that because a lot of doctors that I've been to, they, they won't even ask the question because Mm-mm. it's, what's the, what's the problem? And it's like, I have, and they go to the Rolodex. It's like, I have A, B and C options that I could prescribe that will address the problem. So here's one. And then you see another problem that stems from that and potentially like where you give the medicine or the medication and then it's, uh, onto another, um, you know, medication. It's just like, it's systemic. It just never stops. Right. That I see that happen a lot. And that's why my goal is again, to really figure out what's going on with them. But again, that also requires time. And I think that goes back to the problem we discussed earlier, that doctors, other doctors just don't have the time. They're spending seconds with you. They don't have the time to even ask the questions and Honestly, it's not part of their training either. It's a whole different way of thinking about the patient and their care and figuring out to ask targeted questions to make sure that you're addressing, first of all, the right system, the right nutrients, the right pathways, all these things. And so we are trained from day one how to think like that and how to think in this whole comprehensive manner. I feel like I'm a detective sometimes, you know, and really trying to figure out what the cause is. And so I think it's unfortunate that people haven't had access to that before. But I also think it's exciting because it's an opportunity for me and others in my field to be able to share this and share our gifts and share all this knowledge that we've been given. And to me, it truly is a gift and a blessing. And so... I'm, I'm excited to see where all this goes and treat the generations to come. And hopefully this will be the spark that lights the fire and people will start taking their health back and start regaining that freedom and that ability to really maintain optimal health. Yeah. I love that. It's, it, 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 you know, the, the mobile health doc, um, and executing that and developing that literal patient, doctor relationship that I feel like it's been broken mm-hmm. for many years now. And I, I don't know when it actually faded away. When I was a kid, though, I remember I, I had a doctor and I knew him as doctor by name. 
as opposed to now where you go into an office, you don't know who you're getting because it's like a, a factory. You know, it's like a, you know, it's machinery and tooling and everything's just being processed. Um, but now, you know, the ability for you to have a relationship with, with your clientele um, is important. I mean, that's, it, I almost feel like it's a bad business plan because it's, <laughs> I don't think it's optimized for making money. It doesn't seem like it. Um, but you spend a lot more time with a patient and, you know, and through their lives and understanding the real root cause of their problems as opposed to what most doctors are doing now, which is finding the prescription list and then just issuing prescription. And it, and it's honestly not a lot of their faults, you know, obviously exactly. the system and the processes like you described in insurance and everything else has set up that protocol. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact that there's an alternative that I didn't even know about, I didn't even know you guys existed, <laughs> which is horrible. But you know, when it, when you comes to wellness and health, I didn't realize, you know, that there's, a doctor consultant for your life, for your nutrition, for your wellness that was, um, that were, you were able to provide. Now, how, how do you provide this? Like how, what's the start point? I know you, you're doing, you're, you're going to start your own practice. Right. Right. That's, uh, that's a big deal. Yes. That's in the works. Is that scary or is that exciting or both? All of the above. That's awesome. Definitely. So what's the, I'll tell you the learning curve is very steep right now, but yeah, but you're putting um, it all together. Yeah, right? it's really coming together well. And I have this great opportunity to be able to bring my vision to life, which mm-hmm. is really exciting. So that's what keeps driving me forward. Um, all the other stuff I'm figuring out and it's going well. I'm seeking counsel where I need to seek counsel and mm-hmm. that helps and talking to business owners who have been successful and figuring out what I need to do as far as that goes. Mm-hmm. And then eventually as I expand and get more people on board, I'll have more support. But right now I'm starting from the ground and working up. So. It's, there's, it's, it's almost <laughs> like you're pioneering and innovating an entire field because I don't, I, I don't think I've ever seen a mobile – I don't think I've ever seen a mobile platform for doctors, period. Maybe it, it obviously very exists. Few, there's very yeah. few though, right? Yeah, it's pretty niche field. So far, it's been, from what I've seen, more organizations and universities and such that are doing it, that are just starting. I know as I was researching all this, I did find that U of A has a really basic kind of mobile, I'm not sure what they do. I think it's more of screening, it looked like, mm-hmm. from based on what I could gather. Um, but they do have a mobile medical facility. And so there is some demand that's starting to come forth. Mm-hmm. And that's why there is a company that actually works in that field, in which is pretty cool. That is cool. And it, I'm glad it happens to be in Phoenix. So, awesome. <laughs> so how do you, so um, what are the outlets that you have for media? Because I know content was a big part of this or education is a big part of this. What do you have stood up now? Is there any, any, any place that people can go and follow to, you know, be here in the beginning of your journey? Well, I'm going to be posting updates, research articles, everything along the way, and people can follow me on social media. Um, brand new pages, but you can be one of my first followers right now Ooh. if you sign on to. I'm going to follow you right now. <laughs> if you sign on to the mobile health doc. So the mobile the health. The mobile health doc, yes. That's kind all, of, Did you have to pay for that? That seems really good. That's like, it's pretty cool. That's I'm perfect. excited about it. So the mobile health doc on Facebook. On Facebook. Facebook and Instagram both. And Instagram right. both. Um, what else are you going to be doing? Do you have a website? 
Yes. Yep. It's it's in the works as well, yep. but it is there. We have a landing page right now, so you can actually contact me. Um, it's themobilehealthdoc.com. And there's also a link to my personal website, which is drcarissawalton.com. And you can contact me through that. Um, send me a message and ask me any questions you have or follow me along the way and you'll get to see the progress and the growth of of all of this so it's going to be amazing it's going to be an amazing journey what's let's uh i want to end it off by if you had to give uh you know one or two tips on kind of what people could do now to optimize health and well-being is there anything in nutrition and physical fitness obviously we can go down a rabbit hole because there's a whole bunch of things <laughs> yeah. that people could do yeah but is there anything that are, are that are kind of like your your go-to's your staples for health and well-being that people need to do it sounds simple but movement is always my number one um, we're all plagued with this immobility in society where we're sitting our psoas muscle continues to shorten as we're in these seated positions. And so I'm not a huge proponent of just telling someone to go to the gym because I know some people love that. And that's great. If you love that, please go ahead and do that. But I encourage people to find something that they really enjoy and that they're going to stick with because it really is more of a lifestyle than anything. So for me, I really enjoy martial arts, and that's what I do. Jiu-jitsu is one way to really work on your mobilizing your joints and whatnot, let me tell you. Um, but number one for me is definitely movement. Find something that keeps you movement, moving every day. And even if it's only 10 minutes, that's still going to literally change the structure of your body and the cells within your body. I mean, I, again, back to the science, I can show you studies that prove that it actually changed, changes the membrane of the cells themselves. So I think it's something that's simple, but it's something that's not taken as seriously as it should be. And we're finding that a lot of diseases actually stem from the stagnant bodies, whether it's digestion or um, actually the musculoskeletal system itself. So movement. That's, is that's fascinating. <laughs> I've never heard anybody say that, but that makes, I've, I've been doing studies on these like Papua New Guinea tribes and yeah. they, they walk 10,000 steps as a staple. I was like, what are these people doing? That's so right. That extends their life and makes them the healthiest people on the planet. And one of those things is uh, movement. They walk 10,000 steps, like miles a day. And actually that's my goal each day, which is 10,000 steps. And, you're right. You could be in a gym and walk a hundred steps total, mm -hmm. right? And you're yeah. not really moving and it, you're pretty sedentary in the gym. If you're not actually gymming, you're right. just in there hanging out, lifting weights, curling weights. Yeah. And that's not functional movement. Yeah. Our bodies weren't designed to do a lot of those exercises that people are doing. And there are forms of exercise you can do that are really great for functional movement. Kettlebells is one of them. And that's one thing I'm passionate about teaching people. I actually have a kettlebell certification. instructor certification. Oh. So I can teach people how to do kettlebells in a way that's going to really activate all of the muscles within the body mm -hmm. in a way that's going to prolong movement and longevity of those joints. So mm -hmm. it's pretty cool when you get down to the balance of all the different muscles within the body and how you can better 
stimulate those. So. Yeah. Well, there's so many things to talk about, and, and I, then I, I'm. Uh, oh, you about? asked for two things. Though. Oh, I, asked so I have to tell bad. you right. really oh, no. quick. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. No, no, we don't. We have plenty of time. We have plenty of time. <laughs> What's the second thing? Uh, well, I just want to answer your question, Mike. No, no, no. I'm down. I'm down. I need to learn <laughs> movement. Movement. <laughs> so number um, two. My second one is going to be digestion. Um, so optimizing your GI health, actually. Um, we're finding that a lot of diseases, including neurological disease, such as Alzheimer's and Parkinson's, which are on a rise in the country, they actually start in the GI tract, and there's actually deposits in the GI tract before they're in the brain. So these plaques that are causing people to have dementia and whatnot actually start in the GI system before going over to the neurological system. So it's hard to say like one specific thing, but I would say that eating a clean diet obviously helps with that. Figuring out um, if there's some kind of underlying infection or something too in the GI tract that could be affecting. So really that's one thing that I'm passionate about is getting your GI tract (laughs) regular. and Well, it's like the whole you are what you eat. Yeah, exactly. It's super important and people... I've heard that. I've heard something like the nerve endings in your digestive yeah. system, like lead yeah, straight to your brain. Yeah, it's called the enteric nervous system. Mm-hmm. So it actually is a set of neurons that extend up to the brain. And there's more neuronal endings, basically, that are going up to the brain than rather than from the brain to the GI tract. Wow. So it's really fascinating. And your GI system really does have, quote unquote, a brain of its own mm-hmm. or a mind of its own. Yeah. So, what's well, an independent enclosed system too? I mean, it, people don't understand like it, everything from your mouth to your anus is enclosed and encapsulated in one system operating and that's if you want to optimize I've heard kids being misdiagnosed with ADHD yep. where it was their Bactrim levels and the the you know overreaction of bacteria where they've had to replace the bacteria in their guts, the Bactrim in their guts right. and it completely healed them of yeah, ADHD. Yeah. We've seen that with autism as well. Yeah. So, That's yeah, crazy. there's there's tons that you can learn. So I'm excited to keep learning myself and teaching people along the way. So yeah, I'm I'm excited for this, and I'm excited for your journey, and I'm excited to follow you and and then uh, have you on the podcast. What I want to do next time is kind of narrow down on some of these fields because there's so much to learn and talk about um, when it comes to health and optimizing wellness. I mean, you're the subject matter expert in this, and you know, just kicking off your journey um, with your own practice is such a big deal. And I'm looking forward to seeing that and seeing how this all develops and following your, your journey. So I appreciate you. I appreciate you, Mike. Thank you so much for all the support you've given me so far and all the field craft guys. I love you and I'm a loyal tribe member and always will be. So so (laughs) I'm excited to be here and thank you so much for everything and for having me. No, we love you as well. Thank you to uh, Dr. Carissa Walton. And you guys can check her out on themobiledoc.com, but also on everything. The mobile health doc. Oh, geez. I cut <laughs> off the forgot the most important part. Themobilehealthdoc.com, <laughs> which is so, it's so catchy. Like, I don't know how you bought, did you have to buy that? Was that? Yeah, I did. Oh. <laughs> it was the, worth it, though. It was worth it. The mobile health doc and also on Instagram, Facebook, and all the outlets, but it's also, if you have a question, you can go on 
themobilehealthdoc.com and find your link for contact as well, right? To, for any questions that yep, people have. That's correct. And I, I, what I do is I, I encourage you guys to ask questions. Um, you know, she's, um, she's done it before for us with groups of people on answering questions that people had and people are fascinated to learn because there's so much miss and disinformation in these fields. Um, but we need to take care of ourselves and each other. And uh, thanks, thanks, Krista, for coming yeah, on. Thanks or for having doctor, me. Sorry. Oh, it's fine. Yeah. Thanks, Krista. <laughs> Thank you.